This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey there, folks, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Dealer News Today. Happy you are here, and we are well into season five of DNT. But we got a smorgasbord of great past episodes from all of our seasons with top of the line guests. So just head over to dealernewstoday.com to get access to all of those and make sure you follow us on social media. That's at Dealer News Today. And uh, me, well, I'm your host, Derek D., the guy who hosted the award winning and the most popular daily automotive news show at the time called Fast Lane Daily. That's right. If you'd like more info on me, DerekD.com is where that is. But enough about me. We have a guest on the show today with more than 25 years' experience in the automotive retail space. He's the president and founder of The Banks Report, something a lot of you dealerships out there can definitely benefit from reading. I'm talking about the one and the only Cliff Banks. Welcome to the show, Cliff. Thanks for coming on DNT. Well, thanks for having me, Eric. It's great to be with you. Oh, absolutely. Glad to have you here. Uh, where are you from, by the way? Well, I'm a Philly transplant, so I grew up in Philadelphia and uh, been in Detroit now for 32 years. Okay, so Philly and then now Detroit. Does that mean you're an Eagles fan or you're now a Detroit Lions fan because you've been in Michigan for so long? Uh, I'm a diehard Eagles fan, but uh, oh, okay. you know, I, I do have a soft <laughs> spot for the Lions also. We love to see the Super Bowls. That's, fa- that's funny because you know what, Cliff? I'm a diehard Giants fan, so now, uh-oh, now we're enemies. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> No, that, that, that's great. I, I saw that you were from Philly and now lived in Michigan, so I was just curious about that. Um, and uh, so you live in Michigan currently. You went to the University of Michigan, correct? Uh, I did a, I'm a college drop. I, uh, I did uh, some time at U of M here. Yeah, I decided not to finish. Life took Hey, over. there's nothing wrong with that. Life happens, but you found out what you wanted to do. I mean, more than 25 years in the automotive space, right? Oh, 32. 32 some years in automotive. And oh, 32. More than 20. I'm about 22 as a journalist. Okay. So, yeah, I read uh, yeah, I read yeah. something 25. I don't know where I saw that, but hey, 32, even longer. Um, so you, you were a journalist, obviously, at, 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 you're a journalist still, Um I used to host a show called Fastlane Daily for the better part of a decade. Did you ever hear of that? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, there you go. All right. Yeah, I'm Derek D. from Fastlane Daily. Yeah. Yeah, I, so <laughs> I did know of it. Yeah, so I figured, but, you know, you you being a journalist, yes. you would you would know me more so than dealers, other people we have on the show. So that's cool. Yeah, you know, we lasted almost a decade, and then a big, huge corporation bought us and then canceled us seven months later. So, you know, that goes. It happens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so me and my writing partner, one of the producers of the show, ended up uh, writing a sitcom about Fastlane Daily, and we're currently pitching it. But that's a whole other story. Um, well, that's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It, it's good. I'm working on it for two years now. We got a – it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, but uh, we're, we're hoping to get it picked up, of course. It's a, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. That's for damn sure. Yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> so you've been a, a journalist in the automotive industry for a very long time. So you're the president and founder of the Banks Report. Um, and obviously you speak at many conferences and things like that. Yeah. Uh, for people listening that aren't familiar, what is the Banks Report? Well, you know, I'll just go back a little bit to my days at Ward's Auto, um, Ward's Dealer Business. And uh, you know, I, um, I felt that as I was there for a while, the industry wasn't uh, – all right, let me put it this way. The media wasn't covering the automotive industry from an investment perspective, especially yeah. the, the retail part of the industry. And, you know, there was a time, I think, uh, almost two decades ago now, when uh, Michael Dell tried buying a large dealer group 
And he was an investor in it. And, you know, Bill Gates invested in AutoNation. Eddie Lambert came in at AutoNation. And so I started to pay attention to the whole investment side of the business and started realizing yeah. even on the, the vendor m part also. Sure. Much of just how much it dictates strategy and has impacted our industry for the last uh, two or three decades, really probably three decades at least now. And so I, I wanted to, to start covering uh, covering the industry from that perspective. And I always had this idea of creating something like venture. And a gentleman named Joe Herman, who was a longtime dealer, used to run uh, Potamkin, uh, was he helped create the, the uh, public dealer group concept in right. storage form, you know, the early basis of what was United Auto Group, which became Penske. Um, and then he was at Group One, and he and I became friends. And he went over to the Cooney Automotive Group out on the West Coast and doubled their business <laughs> over the course of three or four years. He, he, uh, he became our partner in this endeavor. Oh, okay. You know, and so we, uh, sorry, keep going. Go ahead. No, I said, I wanted to make sure that I, I let people know it's the banks report.com. You know, that's, that's where you want to yes, check this yeah, out. Yeah. So Joe, uh, and then, uh, we launched in August of 2013, mid August. And, uh, a few months later, he was diagnosed with uh, pancreatic cancer and uh, oh, man. passed away in October. So the whole, you know, the whole first year, you know, uh, you know, we were, we were dealing with that. Just, you know, the industry, it was just a, it was a tough philosophy for me, but more for sure. his family, obviously more so in the industry, but, uh, but we were able to, his son, Chris Herman and I were able to keep going. And, you know, we basically uh, just uh, added uh, some reports through the years, uh, vendor M&A and dealer buy sell report that we actually started in 2013. Now I see other publications that have followed suit. And have started to pick up on the coverage of both you know, the dealer side and the vendor M and A side. And then, you know, I feel kind of, right. you know, I, I guess you could say, you know, uh, I there, 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 yeah, I was paved the guy, way a little you know, bit, I was a trailblazer of sorts. Um, but it, I think we see today how just important that aspect of the industry is. You know, we see we saw that with the CPK acquisition, say eight point seven billion dollars a couple of months ago. Uh, you know, so Jeez. there's some big players, some you know really big players globally that are involved in the automotive space, and uh, um, and even on the dealer, just the dealership side. So uh, I, I really threw my my energy into covering it from that aspect. Yeah, you know, well, first off, I think it's great that you keep uh, you know um, your your friend's name alive through the publication, the Banks Report. But at the same time, it, it's interesting because you're you're a you're a journalist. So I'm assuming before you started the Banks Report, you know you were just covering you know car reviews. You would go to auto shows. You would report on what's new, what's coming out, uh, and things like that. And then you saw like, hey, you know what? There really isn't something dedicated to the finance angle of journalism in the automotive space. And you 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 know took off with that in 2013, like you said. I think it's a that's that's a, a great. Um, you know, um, utility for dealerships to have to go to the bank's report and read up on that stuff that they might not get that that outlook from an actual journalist. I mean, of, there's, of course, there's, you know, um, you know, financial articles and things you could read about the automotive industry. But coming from someone like you, I think there's a little more 
in-depth analysis there. Yeah, that's where, yeah, I, I don't really focus so much on the news. I focus more on the analysis, try to sure. predictive, you know, what, what is the story or what will be the new stories in the next and you predict a lot of that stuff, right? That's going to happen in the retail space, like your track record. Yeah. <laughs> well, it helps to have great, great relationships with this person. So I, you know, and, and I guess yeah. I'm less of a journalist than more of an analyst, uh, I, I suppose, um, because I'm not so much worried about breaking this story. Um, I, you know, I've had a pretty strong track record there, I suppose. But again, it's just, you know, I, I'm, I've been around a long time and and you're a journalist, you know how it is in these publications, you know, it's, you're, you're given different beats. I I was fortunate enough to land with a great team of boards, phenomenal team, and was given the, the opportunity to cover the dealer side of the business, and I just uh, stayed with it. Um, instead of getting, yeah. uh, taking you know, the opportunity to move to different beats, I stayed with that and was able to carve out a niche. Yeah, which is, which is key in this business, you know? And, and a lot of good people in this business. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know, I know what that's like, you know, uh, talking about, you know, we were talking about Fastlane Daily earlier, but when my show yes. started, it was something brand new, never done like the way we did it. And that's why we lasted so long. And people have tried to duplicate that, but nothing really has uh, right. has, has been the same. But we kind of like, you know, kind of carved that path for right. us. And you're, you're doing the same thing, you know, when you started in 2013 and still going strong now in 2022 with the Banks Report. Um, so just, just to get a, an idea of what's a typical day look like for you? Like, how do you find out what you want to write about? What, what, what the, the best info is to put out there? Yeah, that's a great question there. I, uh, I spent a lot of time researching and reading, I spent a lot of time uh, on the phone with people in the industry from different aspects of the industry, but, you know, from the investment side, dealer side, OEMs, sure. the vendor side, you know, um, and you know, I try to treat all of my conversations uh, responsibly. So, uh, you know, I'm not always looking to create the gotcha story article. Right, exactly. Not like uh, a, a trap so, yeah. or anything like that. Right. And, or even even the breaking news. I mean, there, there's a lot of stories that I, news that I know is that I know is coming that I don't write about till after the fact, just because you know I want to be responsible and, and respectful of my relationships. That really now it's I'll tell you it's Derek, you ask a great question because it does get harder to write because there's so much noise out there. Oh, trust me, I know. <laughs> uh, and news the news industry has really been democratized. And that's good and bad. I mean, there's some great things about that, but there's also some drawbacks. Um, so I try not to contribute to the news to the noise. So I try to make sure what I write and what I produce is is different in value. Oh, for sure. Um, not just throwing my opinion. You know, I mean, we, we we all have opinions on what's going on in the industry, and I try to be, I try to base my opinions in, in fact and data. Not always right. You know, I've I've gotten some things wrong over the years. Sure. I mean, that's a given. Yeah, sure. So you know, but uh, but yeah, I guess. Uh, one of my, I guess, my filters in terms of what I what I produce, I I try not to produce what everyone else is producing, content wise, and I try to make mm -hmm. sure I'm not contributing to the noise when I'm providing value with what I'm writing. Yeah, I mean, gotta have value. Not always easy to do. Yeah, no, that that's that's for sure. I mean, that's journalism in general, but you're definitely you you know your your specific focus is 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 pretty interesting when it comes to 
you know, all the, uh, like the predictive analysis that right. you do in, in, in the automotive world, that's, you know, that's definitely different from your standard, you know, automotive journalist and what they do. Yeah, um, sure, sure. As, as a whole, in your opinion, what does the automotive industry in, in, in that f- uh, faction look like right now? Is it good, bad? Is it going great? Is there, you know, um, well, yeah. What, what's your what's your perspective? So I, I'll I'll confess. I'll make a confession here. My, I would say the last three and a half, I'll probably last four years. Every presentation that I've been doing, I've let off with a slide that is a picture of a shattered crystal ball, <laughs> and uh, and I'll explain that. I, I wrote four and a half years ago that I. Felt the, I believe the industry was entering a period of, of uh, enormous uncertainty, the likes that we have never seen before in the industry. <laughs> well, you were you, you, you're right. <laughs> and you know, I obviously at the time it was all you know autonomous, which I would I'm still skeptical about. I was then and I'm still am in terms of the overall impact. Uh, in speed with which that's going to come to the industry. But I, but I was also thinking of, yeah, I was also thinking of connected vehicle, obviously electric vehicles. Um, and uh, and I, I'll tell you, honestly, I think we are in the midst of that uncertainty right now. And, and I'm not sure we're going to have any clarity as to what the future is going to look like for at least another five years. If you think about oh that, wow five yeah I think I think it's going to take that long because if you think about it really the thing the immediate thing dynamic pressing on the industry is the electric vehicle right the other things you know, obviously we have inventory shortage right now the supplier issues the supply line challenges but the, the those are all things that will be worked out over time. And I think the impact there will be short term. But the EV, we're thinking about, as we look at it, General Motors, late last week, took the cover off its Equinox that they're going to produce. It's the EV version. Right. That's going to launch sometime in late 2023 as a 2024 version. Well, they're banking heavily that that's going to become a vehicle that the masses are going to want to buy. We have no idea if that's going to right. I mean, right now it's. Okay. So we're looking at, yeah. I mean, so you're, we're not we're not going to know till 2025, probably. Yeah, and also right now EVs are only about five percent of the market. Right. right. So it's you know. Yeah, I mean, as we look at the product, it's still going to be another two, three, four years, five years before we really start seeing mass production of these vehicles, and so that's why I'm saying it's going to take at least five years for us to have clarity. And the big questions are, you know, that are our customers going to buy the EVs? Are automate, legacy automakers going to be able to launch them? That's right. And, say, and execute successfully? Will infrastructure follow? Sorry, you know, well, that's a big one. That's a big one. Um, are there any other black type events lurking around the corner uh, that's going to delay or you know, offset some of these uh, issues. What I mean, well, what happens if a uh, if a um, activist investor gets control of a Chrysler or General Motors? I mean, it's Stellantis, I should say. Well, old habits there. Um, you know, or GM. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, those things can throw monkey wrenches to 
Uh, I think there's, there's, there's quite a few questions there. I, um, but what, you know, we'll, we'll know this week, we'll start seeing stories about Ford and its plan for its dealers and its retail network. Well, how, you know, how far are they going to push to try to, you know, control that, uh, you know, control that, that retail process. You know, I, you know, a lot of people have talked about direct consumer agency model. I, I don't see Ford going down that path. I, I don't think they can. I think franchise laws are still strong enough to to uh, to keep that from happening. Um, sure. In most states. Yeah. But, I, but, you know. Yeah. You know, EVs are. Look, I, I, I like EVs. I think they're great. But at the same time, you know, it's it's. It's a big undertaking for, like you said, the infrastructure. I mean, a lot goes into making an EV that a lot of, I think, a lot of environmentalists don't realize how much land you got to dig up just to make batteries for the cars, how you dispose of these batteries. There's there's so many things when it comes to EVs. And a lot of time, you know, I always say this, people, you know, unless you could charge a car as fast as it takes to fill up a tank, you know, until that happens, you know, more people are going to be, Sticking to you know combustion engines or hybrid, which I think is obviously a great alternative to both. But yeah, it's an interesting time to see where the EV market is going to go because obviously it's the main focus of everyone right now. Every manufacturer, that's their main thing. Right, right. And I, you know, we'll, we'll see that just how long it takes. But that's what I'm saying. I think we're still. It's still early. In the next five to ten years, we're still going to be in this period of uncertainty. Yeah, and, and it's not just the impact. I mean, you know, I. Billions of dollars are being invested. Uh, but what's you know what's the impact going to be on the dealer network? Let's let's say the things do take off. You know, I, there's huge questions about service. Um, and right, yeah, that's a big one. And, and, and I don't know that I have an opinion. I don't know that we have enough data to uh, to probably not. It. You know, I think people are going to disagree with me, but but I see both sides. You know, I see data on both sides. At, uh, yeah. You know, so I think for dealers, you know, it's it's they're being confronted with a vibrant uh, M and A market right now. Um, right, that's huge. A lot of money, and I think there's there's a you know there, there's decisions that they have to make. Do, do I want to continue as a dealer, or do I want to get out now? You know, and uh, those are those are tough questions. And and we're seeing a lot of dealers that obviously are, are taking the money. Um, well, it seems like it, that's the, the mergers and acquisitions side is not slowing down at all anytime soon. It, 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 is it more of a buyer or seller's market? Because from what I could tell, it seems like it's both. Yeah, I think it, it is both. I think it, uh, you know, let's keep in mind, last year we had three huge transactions that were 30 or more stores. I mean, as many as 55 or 54. Yeah, that's a lot. Count the, the rooftop. You know, so so we had certainly at the end of the year we had two that that wrapped up that really pushed that number high. Um, I think we're under last year's pace by you know a few percentage points. It, it, you know, depending again, depending on how you, you count those rooftops, but sure, you know, so so we may be back down to by the end of the year um, towards uh, what 2015. I think we had 400. And I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, the older I get, the more I forget. <laughs> well, I think it's it. going to, I mean, it's going to slow down at some 
yeah, point, I obviously. Think, but yeah, I don't think we're at this. I don't think we're going to be at the same pace. But it, it's it's amazing where it's where it's at right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. For people that like, look, this is you know, I, I I could sell, I'll get the most money, and I could retire or figure out my succession plan. Um, succession plan. I mean, and 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 yeah, it's like uh, it's it, it's crazy. I mean, do do you think the inventory shortage is a good or a bad thing right now? Kind of a blessing in disguise because, I mean, it, it made dealerships think outside of the box. I think a little, little bit, but also it's making them get more money because the demand is so high. Yeah. I, uh, I just think it depends on the dealer. You know, there are those that, that are just focused on getting the money and, and are living, living the high life with that. Uh, Jack but, up the MSRP. Yeah. yeah but you know, and then there are others that are focused on improving and, and pushing, stretching their service departments, even though there's fewer vehicles to service and the parts aren't there. So, it, it's it's a really unique time, and it's hard to I, you know I, I guess it's hard for me to tell a dealer what they should do and how they should engage with the market today or engage with their businesses because everyone's you know everyone has a reason their own reasons for being in business everyone has their right own goals. their own so, style yeah so I'm not you know I'm never going to say well dealers need to do this or that hey do what you want um, it's your business. Um, yeah, the yeah, is the inventory shortage a bad good, good thing? Wow, look, profitability has been phenomenal. Right. Um, and, and it's probably, I think, overall, the impact is going to be good and has been good. As long as it continues there, I, you know, uh, obviously, we're seeing signs that for now it may be starting to stabilize a little bit. Yeah, that's um, true. It has ways to go. But I'll tell you, I think there's a couple of manufacturers out there that uh, that if they smell blood in the water, and once things are back to normal from a supply side, you know, may may they may start driving incentives again because they see an opportunity to capture market share. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no incentives right now. You know, more power to it. That's what they that's what they do. I, so I again, I mean, we, we could be looking back on this three years from now, kind of laughing or chuckling. And how naive we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I think things change, but you know, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of dealerships can realize they don't need the high volume of cars on their lots as many. I mean, they're probably obviously more than they have now because a lot of dealerships are pretty scarce when it comes to brand new cars. But I think they're going to find a happy medium in that, and I think that'll be probably like the new norm. And especially the way people buy cars is just changing. It's people want. It to be quicker. They buy them online. They just design the car, do paperwork online first, and then go to the dealership. No one likes going to the dealership and doing all the paperwork and all that crap. Like that's got to, like that that needs to be way faster. And I think it is now a lot because of the pandemic and what has happened. Yeah, I think we still have ways together. But I'll tell you, Derek, I don't know that the dealer has much say in the matter in terms of inventory. Oh yeah. I think they, you know, they're at the whim of the manufacturer. Oh, yeah, that's true. And whatever the manufacturers decide, whatever they, however they decide their how they want to approach the market, whether they want to maintain profitability or go for market share, and I, I think it's going to be a brand by brand decision. And I don't know that. And dealers will, as always, will have to play ball and play with the cards that they're given. 
And yeah, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, I think manufacturers, you know, they could be like, we don't need to give you this many cars. And if we give you more, you know, then we have to offer incentives and discounts and all that stuff. But we could just give you this amount at the MSRP. And hey, we're still making money without giving you a ton of cars that you're just that are just going to sit on your lot and you'll eventually have to get rid of for cheaper than you initially wanted to. But, you know, yeah. And I'll tell you, obviously, Ford and GM are going down a path and, and they, 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 there's a clear picture of how they want business, how they want to sit. But the fact is, if they start losing market share to, to someone else, that's not going to fly. No, that's not going to fly. <laughs> investors are going to like that. So, no, so I think, you know, again, I, I think some of the investor pressure dictates a lot of what, the, of what is going to, it's going to dictate a lot of what's going to happen. Of what they do. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, and it's one of the uncertainties. Yeah, well, there's always those. I mean, there's always uncertainties, but I think now we have a little better outlook of how it's going to look potentially, you know, because no one knew during COVID, they're like, what the hell is going to happen? We don't know. We, no one realized it was going to be the most profitable. It's been in, you know, over a decade or so, and it's it's a pretty amazing uh, thing that's happening right now. And obviously you got plenty to report on because it's constantly changing and you know, it's uh, it's it's you know the place you want to go to hear about all the information is thebanksreport.com. That's for sure. One last question before we get going, I just asked this to everybody. You're a car guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I get, yeah. It's uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in my garage, you know, tinkering. Um, but oh, no, I I do. I, yeah, me me. I mean, I do that a little bit, but I'm a yeah. car guy in the sense of I love cars and I love yeah. driving cars and all that stuff. So yeah, we're probably yes, I love, I love yeah, we're in the we're in the same boat with that. Well, listen, Cliff Banks, president and founder of the Banks Report. I appreciate you coming on Dealer News today. Uh, anything you'd like to say before we get going? I just I really appreciate the having me, Derek. It's been a great conversation. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it's good to get a different outlook with someone talking about the analysis of the financial side and such, you know, because normally I have like dealership owners and things like that on. So yeah, uh, Cliff, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. That's right. You got it. That was Cliff Banks, the president and founder of The Banks Report. Head over to thebanksreport.com to read up on some high-level predictive analysis of the automotive retail space. Cliff will hook you up and make sure you subscribe as well. But that will do it for this episode of DNT. Make sure you follow at Dealer News today on social media. I'm Derek D, DerekD.com for all my stuff, of course. Appreciate you listening, everybody. And until next time, this is Dealer News Today.